This is a broadcast about Bethlehem under occupation, both now and 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ was born. The roads are blocked between Hebron and Nazareth, down to Ramallah or Al-Quds or Jerusalem, as it is currently known. And this is a broadcast about those events from a person in Palestine, introduced by Andy Payne from The Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ, Community Radio 102.1, Fridays at noon, where Andy tells in his own words the story of Christ and relates it to the current events. So let's go now to Andy and Usama. Andy begins by telling the story of Jesus' birth. Mary, a young woman, she's 2,000 years ago in what is now the West Bank of Palestine, and she is unmarried, which probably means she was a teenage girl, and she is visited by an angel and told that she is going to be divinely impregnated, which obviously is an uncommon occurrence. Um, and Mary is a bit taken aback, but she does celebrate, and she writes, um, she sings this song that's reported in the Bible, which doesn't just talk about you know, how happy she is to have a baby, but also this idea that this baby will be a hope for a whole different way of society. And it does say that God scatters those who are proud, brings down rulers from their thrones and lifts up the humble, fills the hungry with good things and sends the rich away empty. And that this is somehow connected to the story of this baby that's to be born. Uh, Joseph, her fiancé, is understandably a little bit taken aback by the fact that his fiancé is pregnant now to somebody else, but he is a, a kind person, and so rather than publicly vilify her, he decides he's going to quietly divorce her, but he's visiting a dream by God, um, another uncommon occurrence, I guess, uh, who says, no, no, the baby's from God, he'll be all good, and so Joseph goes for it, he takes... Um, that at its word and um, raises the child as his own. Now, another part of the story is that the Jews are under Roman occupation at the time and as empires tend to do, they want to count how much wealth they have um, and how many people they control. And so in an early example of the surveillance state, they send everybody back to their hometown to all be numbered and kind of um, have their data taken down. And so Joseph and Mary, despite the fact that Mary's quite pregnant, um, are forced to, at that point, walk, possibly ride a donkey, to Joseph's um, hometown of Bethlehem. And so they do that. Once they get there, um, they find out that there's no rooms anywhere to stay, no room at the inn, possibly because they're travelling slowly with a um, heavily pregnant woman. Um, and possibly... People didn't want a heavily pregnant, unmarried woman um, to be in their um, places of lodging. So anyway, the couple end up in the, the cattle shed and the baby is born in the feed trough. Um, as is often depicted amongst the livestock, possibly they did shoo out the animals before having the baby born. But um, it would not have been a very comfortable maternity ward either way. Um, now... Nobody really comes to witness this except for a bunch of shepherds who are out working the night shift in the fields and are visited by um, angels and told to go and, and meet this baby, which they do as the kind of witnesses of this hopeful birth. And then 
Later we get the story that some foreigners from the east have seen in the skies what the locals all nearby have not seen, that this significant baby's born. And so they travel to um, pay tribute to the new baby, but unfortunately tell the king at the time, who, like many kings, is a bit power-crazed and paranoid, and so his response to this is to kill um, all babies under the age of two who might be a threat to his reign. Uh, pretty horrific infanticide um, in that story. And, of course, we've seen many conflicts around the world where children are often casualties. So Joseph and Mary head to Egypt as refugees. Coincidentally, the exact same route that many people are trying to take right now to get out of Gaza um, and they discover along the way that being the hope of the world can be a bit of a rocky um, journey and a dangerous calling, as Jesus finds out later in his life. And there is a prophecy, actually, that they are given to say that, they, as well as happiness, this will bring much sorrow, this story. So anyway, that's the story, the Christmas story, where we sit down and look at it. We're going to hear from somebody in Bethlehem who I spoke to this morning, Usama Nicola. Let's have a listen. Hello everyone, um, this is Osama Nicola from Bethlehem. I'm a civil society activist and a local tour guide. It's Christmas time here in Australia, which is the time of year when we talk about Bethlehem most. Most of the time it's not on any Australian's mind and I guess for a lot of people here it seems like just this mythical place that's in this story. But you live in Bethlehem and so I wonder... Um, what it's like for you when you read that Christmas story or hear it and having it set in your hometown? Uh, you know, uh, for me, being born in Bethlehem you know, is very special. Uh, Bethlehem is the first location of the first Christmas. It's uh, the location where um, the human rights teacher was born. And, uh, you know, we, uh, he has been born for us. So, uh, when you read uh, the Christmas story in the Bible and you walk the streets of Bethlehem all the way to the Nativity Place, uh, you feel that you, you, you see and you imagine um, that story uh, of uh, Virgin Mary and Joseph uh, coming from Nazareth to Bethlehem, walking uh, the only street in that time um, uh, in Bethlehem, which is today called Star Street, and we commemorate this happening and we do all our Christmas processions in that street. And um, it's called the Star Street because of the famous star in the Christmas story the same streets that also the wise men who followed the star came uh, to pay homage for Jesus and give him the gifts. So it's very special, you know, like um, it's, it is really very special to be in Bethlehem, just some homes away from uh, the Church of Nativity, this little town that's still little town. Sometimes we, we don't think about it, but for me it's a great deal to be in Bethlehem. This is why I am still staying in Bethlehem, and I don't want to leave Bethlehem because it means a lot. You would get a lot of tourists there coming to Bethlehem. You work in the tourism industry yourself, and um, you would see Bethlehem, I guess, depicted in, in Western uh, depictions of the Christmas story. 
How do you feel about the way that the West, who doesn't live there, um, sees your hometown? You know, uh, I, I think every uh, everyone who think about the Christmas story try to adopt it in their culture, in their way of thinking. But even the tourists, when they come and visit Bethlehem and the holy sites, they forget the reality. The reality that, you know, Jesus born under occupation and we as Palestinian today live under occupation and when Jesus was born under occupation it became a symbol of liberation against any oppression you know Jesus came for a message Jesus came with a message that you know like it's not the politicians or the military leaders who are going to liberate us it's the teaching of jesus who share with us through his parables so uh if you really want to understand uh the christmas story in the right way you need to understand the culture of the land you need to understand the circumstances that Mary has given birth under. You know, this humble grotto that has been used for animals under the inn, this little inn in the little town of Bethlehem. Okay, so it was very humble place where this king, the king of peace, became in a flash to talk to us to give us the message directly and tell us uh, what is the right way that we are the right path that we need to take uh, but unfortunately many people are still waiting for a military leaders or political leaders to liberate them uh, or create a better reality but there will never be a better reality without Jesus hope teach us what we need to do and how we need to, and how we can do it through all his simple parables. Uh, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned there um, that the the Christmas story takes place in um, occupied territory, and it begins with um, the Romans ordering the um, Jewish people at the time to move around, and this kind of restriction of people's freedom of movement. Um, and of course, then there's the story of the tyrant Herod killing a lot of innocent children. Yeah, do you think that the story has a special relevance now compared to other times in history, maybe because um, the town of Bethlehem is once again an occupied territory? You know, the current situation in Bethlehem is deeply impacted by the ongoing Israeli occupation, the closure, the restricted of me movement the daily military incursions, uh, the, the current aggression against the Palestinian people in Gaza and the West Bank is, you know, uh, significantly affecting our daily lives. The travel restrictions and the closures and the checkpoints. We can't go to Jerusalem freely. People can't come to Bethlehem. You know, imagine this year we are having a sad Christmas no lights, no Christmas festivals, no Christmas decoration, no Christmas tree. You know, it's so sad to see Bethlehem dark because all the Christmas celebrations has been canceled because of the ongoing 
a humility and ongoing suffering and ongoing human suffering in Gaza and also in, in less degree in the West Bank. So uh, um, we're going to go only for, for Christmas uh, services at churches. There will be no scouts, there will be no drums, there will be no music, there will be no fireworks, lights and Christmas trees. It's so sad, you know, this Christmas Bethlehem is shrouded in a gloomy atmosphere. And this is so sad. For us, Christmas is the season of joy, is the season of hope, is the season of, you know, like we wait for this season because thousands of people will come. Last year, we had 10,000 people participate in the Christmas tree lighting. We have almost similar number attending the uh, different activities at the Christmas Eve. So Bethlehem was overcrowded. Oh, you know, like this year hotels are zero occupancy. We don't have tourists. We don't have pilgrimage. We don't have visitors. Even local visitors are not coming to Bethlehem this year because it's closed. You know, like Look up our reality. I see myself today as a Palestinian Christian. I am the Jewish of the ancient time. And the current Israeli occupation is the ancient Roman occupation. So it looked like no one has learned from history. And, and people didn't choose the right path for salvation. You know, like uh, we can't continue in the same way. Uh, it's so sad to see how things are. The Holy Land must be a source of a blessing. It's that's that's what's supposed to be, you know. Like the Holy Land today serves as a continual a source of suffering and trauma rather than a blessing. You know, it's enough and enough and enough. We need to be standing for humanity against any injustice against any person. It's enough. If Jesus is here today, he will stand with the Palestinian. And uh, it's so sad to see the number of children who has been killed. Um, almost 8,000 children has been killed uh, in Gaza Strip. Uh, more than 6,000 women has been killed. 70% plus of the victims are children and women. You mentioned there that uh, Bethlehem is empty. There's no tourists or pilgrims coming this time, which there normally would be. Um, what's the situation with the current war for Bethlehem, and how safe is it, and um, how have things changed? You know, I uh, I, I think uh, Bethlehem has been always safe, despite all the challenges. Uh, the situation is very bad. Uh, since the 7th of October, Bethlehem has been uh, looked. We have checkpoints and roadblocks. Uh, checkpoints are open for certain hours. For example, if I want to go to Ramallah, a different Palestinian city in the West Bank, or to Jericho, or to Hebron, there are certain hours and from certain roads. It's not, free, it's not freely uh, movement. Uh, roads will be blocked uh, in the morning because the priority is for settlers to use roads. After the settlers move and go to work or to their places, our roads will be open for Palestinians. So the level of the discrimination is very high. 
like for example, if I want to go to Hebron, I need to uh, to leave after eight o'clock and be back before seven o'clock because the roads will be closed. It, it's open from 8 a.m. and closed at 7 p.m. And most of the time, it, you, you, you will wait in a queue for two or three hours before you leave. So I have not been out of Bethlehem City since 7th of October because I, I'm, not ready, um, I'm not ready to suffer any checkpoints. I just was talking with my kids and my wife today what we want to do for Christmas because our hearts is very heavy. We need to do something. You know, we need to be away from the news um, and, and just be in a safe place. They say, no, let's stay at home because that's the most safe place. Why shall we drive to Jericho, for example, and spend three, four hours in checkpoints and we are not secure if we can reach Jericho or not? Uh, so let's stay at home. So um, I have many friends from Nazareth and from Jerusalem who wish to be in Bethlehem on Christmas. They say, you know, but we are not sure if we came, we can leave back because checkpoints are closed. Uh, we have a, a almost every day Israeli military um, raids and incursions. Last night we have a child, 16 years old, and around 20 Palestinians were injured in clashes with Israeli military in south uh, west of. Bethlehem in a village called Hussan. Uh, but in the end, um, we care for people. We want people to come and feel safe. But people are not coming uh, because they, they fear. And we forget always that Christmas is a message of no fear. And we want people to be with us today. The presence of the internationals will make a difference. You know, like my parents has like small studios, they host um, visitors and pilgrimage. Every year around the Christmas time, the home is full. They use every corner in their home to host international people coming from all over the world. So every year during Christmas Eve, we have 20, sometimes more uh, visitors from different parts of the world and spend that uh, night or two or three days with us around the Christmas time. So for us, it's a, a season of joy. It's a season of hope. It's a season of no fear. Uh, and for me and my children, you know, like Christmas is 365 days. Every day in the morning, we play the Christmas hymns in the car, in the way to school, in the way back from school, because it gives us hope. It gives us joy. It, you know, like we try to live this, the spirit of the Christmas around the year. Yes, and it is a story of hope, the Christmas story. I guess hope is easy to find sometimes in others, and right now hope is can be difficult to find if you live in Palestine, but does the Christmas story still bring hope? Yes, Christmas is a time of hope, and for us there is no alternatives than hope. You know, where many people are losing hope and faith, uh, hope is our resistance and our resilience. Uh, without hope, there is no meaning for our fate. As I mentioned earlier, that, you know, like Jesus came to show us the way. And now it's our responsibilities to follow and make the change and be the light and the salt or just be used by the Satan. So uh, Jesus loved us and loved everyone. And, and Jesus came 
just to tell us how God loves us. You know, love. Without love, there is no hope. And without faith, there is no hope. And yes, we will never give up hope. Hope is only what left for us. You know, in the middle of all this darkness, in the middle of this dangerous situation, if we lose hope, we have lost everything. For people in Australia who will be st- stopping to celebrate Christmas in the coming week, how do you hope that people uh, remember you in Bethlehem and other people in the Holy Land um, as we stop to, to celebrate this story set in your hometown? Um, you know, it's very important to, to, to remember that as Jesus suffered and the Holy Family suffered, there is still in human suffering in Palestine. And uh, this suffering is because of the military occupation, which is illegal by international law. And this military occupation must end. And without international pressure, without collective responsibility, this occupation will never end. We deserve to live in peace. We deserve to live in reconciliation. We uh, deserve to live in a freedom. You know, we wanna, you know, just enjoy our life. So please keep us in your prayers and not only prayers, but do some actions, you know, reminding us of the struggle for freedom. We are yearning for peace. So, uh, you know, pray and act, send letters, uh, do vigils, stand for a humanity, you know, stop this aggression because what has been happening in Gaza is a really genocide. It's very important to stand for humanity and stand against any type of violence in, in this Holy Land. You know, like this Holy Land must be a Holy Land and again a source of a blessing. So we need to be united for humanity. We need to be united for the message of Jesus. As Jesus' messages has been misguided many times. You know, like, Jesus will never support war. Jesus will never support killing any human being in earth. Jesus has always stand with the weak and support the weak and love the weak. So, if Jesus is here today, he will stand in the side of the Palestinian. Thanks so much, Usama, for taking the time to talk to us. God bless you, and uh, hopefully uh, the coming Christmas will bring peace, reconciliation, and end of the occupation. And uh, we hope that there will be a better future and better year next year for everyone all over the world. God bless you. Thanks very much, Usama. So let's go out with a song by John Lennon and Yoko Ono called So This Is Christmas. A big thank you to Andy and Usama for that interview and Andy for that story of Christmas. So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And a new one just begun 
Strong. The rich and 